Hey, you may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Again, welcome to East Brainerd. Thank you for joining us for our gathering today. We started uh, three new studies this morning at 9.30 for uh, our adult population here. Hopefully you were able to be a part of that. If not, just come back next week, 9.30, to be a part of that. Or things that are going on with our young adult in college, with our teens, with our children. And we want you to be a part of our gathering. And we're thankful that you are here with us for this portion as we've come together to encourage one another, to offer up our praise to God. We're excited to be here. I want to cover something real fast this morning. Sometimes there are rumors that go around that you need to address right at the very beginning. And that's what I want to make sure that I do this morning. There was a rumor that started going around that some of the officials from last night's game were going to be here today to repent because of not um, calling that a first down. That was just a rumor. All right, it was just a rumor. Uh, they are not here as far as I know. But because the rumor got out that they were going to be present, we had to start confiscating some things. And so uh, some of you brought your mustard with you today and uh, found some water bottles, right? And uh, golf balls. We got the golf balls, you know, going on. And Stephen, I'm just going to go ahead and give these back to you now. Uh, I'm sorry. There you go, buddy. And um, yeah, don't throw the golf ball, please. Uh, man, did you guys watch that game last night? Did you see that? Uh, did you see our yak minister, Stephen, in the mail? No, he was not there. He, he, you were there. Yeah, yeah, Stephen was there, uh, but um, he was not in the melee or anything like that. But wow, what a, man, what a scene. That was, that was, that was pretty crazy. And, you know, you watch that, and a lot of people have different emotions and feelings about it. But hey, can I just be honest about one thing? I long for the day that the Christian community has a sane passion for things that are going on in this world that people have a passion for at football games like they did last night. Can I get an amen for that one? Amen. I mean, I would love for us to have a passion on a positive side for the things of God and let that be seen. And then, hey, if you want to be angry about something, be angry about the racism that you see in our society. Be angry about that. Be angry when you hear about children who are not allowed to be born because they are killed before that can take place. Be angry when you see injustice. Be angry when you look around and you see the fact that, you know what? People are not honoring the Spirit of God. Let that righteous anger build up among you. You don't have to throw golf balls and you don't have to throw water and, and mustard and all of that kind of thing. But there should be a passion among the people of God about the things of God. And we get all excited about all this other stuff. And I love football. You guys know that. I, I love it. But man, if only the people of God could get as excited about the things of God, right? So this week I was working in, I was actually doing some yard work, and I was working in a, uh, an area where we got some flowers out behind the house. And I ran into a problem. And, and this problem, I think, speaks to to what I was just trying to address about how that we just don't get as fired up maybe about the things that, that we need to. Um, I, I actually found this beauty growing in the tulips, <laughs> okay? Um, yeah, let me get this thing out. Check this bad boy out right here. Now this thing had grown up right there in the tulips, and so I'm working, and, and I find this, and I'm like, what, what in the world is that? Now granted, 
Maybe I should be working in the flowers a little bit more often, right? If this thing had had the opportunity to grow, I should have been out there a, a lot earlier. Uh, but I thought, hey, I'm going to take care of this. So I went and got the pickaxe, and I, I start to whack away like a wild man because I'm thinking this shouldn't take very long. Man, this thing wouldn't budge. And so then I went and got a shovel, and I was like, well, if I can't chop it down, I'll just dig it up, right? And so I'm out there, and... Um, we have a great well that's now in our backyard. That's, that's on the positive side. That's really good. I mean, I felt like I was digging to China and trying to get this thing up. But, but with the pickaxe and with the shovel and the family of beavers that I got to come along, I was, finally able, I was finally able to get this thing up and finally get it out uh, from among the flowers where it had grown up and it was something that was not supposed to be there. It wasn't supposed to be there, and, and it created this ugly look in the, mu in the middle of what was supposed to be a beautiful garden. And so I started thinking about the series that we're involved in right now, Your Best Life. And I started wondering, I wonder if we've missed the beauty of life with God because we are unwilling to confront the weeds that have grown up in our life. We're just unwilling. I mean, we look out the window and we see it. We, we know that it's there. And it's like, I don't think that's supposed to be there. I don't think that was the picture that was on, that was, that was on the seeds there. I don't think this is what's supposed to be growing. We see it, but we don't want to do anything about it. And I think the same thing happens in our life. We look at ourselves, and we look at ourselves, we see ourselves in the mirror, and we see ways in which we know we're not godly, we know we're not putting God first, we know we are not living the life that brings honor and glory to our Creator, and yet, we just let it grow. We just, we just let it grow. Let's talk about that a little bit this morning, why don't we? You know, I think there are times when we're, we're we mean well, and we say, you know what, we've got great intentions. And we say, my life is going to look different. My life is going to be different this week, this month, this year. And, and then we just, we, we just kind of fall apart with, with our plans. We say, I want to be more loving and I want to be more joyful. I want there to be more peace in my life. Man, if I could just have a little bit more self-control, that would be fantastic. And we mean it. But the weeks come and the weeks go and there isn't any significant change. We find ourselves back in our old way of doing things, our old way of thinking. I mean, think about it. We've been in this series for the last eight weeks, talking about enjoying our best life with God. But has there actually been any change in your walk with God? Has anything changed? So well, there's a problem if, if, there, if, if we're not moving closer to a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think the problem for many of us is that we've been trying to plant seeds of a new life in a garden that's just overgrown with weeds. So in Galatians chapter 5, Paul discusses life and he discusses it in terms of growing a spiritual garden. And he lists for us what we know commonly as the fruit of the Spirit, Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithful, gentleness, and self-control. I think we all want those things. We'd love for those things to be a part of our life. But before he lists the fruit of the Spirit, Paul gives us another list. And this list we don't talk about a lot. And we just don't, we just don't really like to touch it that much. And it's called the acts of the sinful nature, or the acts of the flesh. And it's a much different list. And he talks about sexual morality, and jealousy, and idolatry, and selfishness and drunkenness and hatred and, and anger. 
And he talks about these because he wants his readers to realize that the fruit of the Spirit cannot grow in our life until the weeds of our sinful nature have been pulled. Because this nature, this, this sinful nature that we have, it wants what's opposite of the Spirit. See, that's what Paul says in verse 17 of Galatians chapter 5. And I'd love for you to open up your Bibles there if you would. Take out your phone, find Galatians chapter 5. We're just going to camp out there for the majority of our time here this morning. And he explains why people don't get what we say that we want. Verse 17, he says, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. He says they're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. The reason that I'm not able to be as loving as I always want to be, the reason that you're not able to have the peace that perhaps you desire is because that within that garden where that fruit is trying to grow, where there are these weeds that are there choking the fruit out. In the life of the believer, there are these two opposing forces. It's the sinful nature and it's the spirit. And there's this ultimate cage match that is constantly going on. And the spirit is tugging. And the spirit of our flesh is tugging. And they go back and forth. And they want what is opposite of one another. And until we are able to have that sinful nature starved and destroyed within us, the fruit of the spirit is not going to be able to have its growth. And I think it's a simple truth, but it's one that's often missed. You know, we get excited talking about the blessings of a life lived with God. And it's not uncommon to go to church for, for years at a time and hear a lot about being a more loving and a more patient person, an individual that's filled with more joy, uh, someone that has more self-control in her life. But we skip over, I think we skip over oftentimes in that spiritual growth conversation, the weed pulling. We skip over the repentance that's needed. We skip over the confession we don't like to talk about that as much, so we just skip over it. But everyone wants to have a beautiful garden. Everyone wants to have a beautiful garden, but no one likes to pull the weeds, right? I mean, I didn't really look forward to getting there and, and, and getting out that shovel and starting to work, and especially the deeper that I went and saw that the roots went further and further down. I wasn't enjoying that. There's a reason that I had let that grow up. There's a reason why I had, I had let that take place there. So let me give you just a few examples of kind of what this looks like. So you're on the elliptical machine at the gym. And this guy pulls up in his car, and you watch him. He gets out of his car, and he goes, opens up the back door, and he gets out his gym bag. And he gets his gym bag, throws it over his shoulder. Then he goes back to the front of the car, and he reaches in, and he gets something out of the console. And you see that, that he's gotten this cup out. Now, the closer that he gets to the window where you are sitting there looking out as, as you're doing your workout and everything is great, the closer that he gets to you, you see that he's got a Dairy Queen cup in his hand. The guy is eating a blizzard. The guy is eating a blizzard as he walks into the gym. And it's cookie dough. And man, you're on that elliptical machine, you're like, oh, I hate him. Right? Yeah, you're saying, man, I just, I just hate that guy in the Lord. I hate him in the Lord. That's, that's the way it is. But he's finishing off the blizzard, and then when he's done with the blizzard, he's going to come inside for his workout. Now look, is it going to be fair in a few weeks when he steps on the scale, is it going to be fair for him to get upset when he's been eating the blizzards on the way to work out at the gym? Is it going to be fair to get upset? It's like, well, where's the weight? What's going on? Why, is this, why am I not losing the weight that I want to lose? And I think that's how a lot of us think. Spiritually, we're on the treadmill eating a blizzard and we're wondering why we're not seeing any results. We're saying, God, we want our best life. 
Man, I want my relationships to be different. And I want there to be a peace within me. God, please, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all this fruit, Lord. I want you to give it to me. But we're watering the weeds of the sinful nature while we're asking God to grow fruit in our life. And friends, it's not fair. It's not fair for us to come one day a week to a church assembly such as this and talk about the fruit of the Spirit and talk about love and joy and peace and patience and ask God to grow it in our lives while the rest of the week we're going around watering the weeds of our sinful nature. A husband comes to me and he tells me that he's going to leave his wife. He doesn't love her anymore. He says there's no intimacy. He's not attracted to her. There's no romance. It's all gone. He says, I prayed about it. He says, I've prayed about it and I've asked, I've asked God to bring this love, to revive love in our relationship. I want to love my wife. It's just not there. And he says, you know what? She feels the same way towards me. It's just not growing. There's no love. Well, I do a little more digging and I find out that the same man who genuinely wants the fruit of love to grow in his life is living with a heart that is overgrown with the weeds of lust. So on one hand, he's praying for for God to grow up a fruit of, of love in his life. And on the other, every night he's watering the weeds of lust. And the weeds of lust are choking out the fruit of love and intimacy. And he wonders why he can't grow love. You cannot grow fruit in the garden that's full of weeds of the sinful nature. You've got to do the hard work and you've got to be able to, to, to remove that from your life. So you say... Say, let's say you come to me after this morning's assembly and you say, you know what? I'd love to have more joy in my life, Chris. I want to be known as a joyful person. I want my kids to think I'm joyful. I want the people at the work to say, man, that guy right there, he's got the joy, joy, joy down in his heart. Man, I love that guy. That's great. But you say, I just don't have that reputation. People kind of think of me as negative and critical and cynical and that I'm a bit down. I'm not the person that I want to be. I want to be joyful. All right, so let's say you come and tell me that. What if I were then to ask you, hey, but what are your weeds? What are the weeds that are choking the fruit out? Because my guess is you've been praying for joy and you've been asking God to grow that fruit in your life, right? But what's happened? Could it, could it possibly be that the weed of bitterness has grown up and it's just been growing and growing and it's overtaken your whole garden? And you have this bitterness from maybe it's your past, something that happened at, at home with your, with your family, the family you grew up in, or maybe it's because of a relationship you've had before, because of something that happened with your ex, or, or maybe it's because of a relationship that you had at a previous church. And this bitterness, well, it's, it, it's just been overwhelming you, and it literally now defines your life. And the weed of bitterness has now choked out the joy that you say that you truly do want to have and you've been praying for. So we allow these weeds and we allow the sinful nature to grow in the garden that we're trying to find the fruit of the Spirit in. And when the Spirit's fruit doesn't show up, we wonder, hey, what gives? Man, I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. I don't understand what's going on. Why am I not looking more like Jesus? And I think it's because we have not gotten down into the dirt and done the hard work and, of the repenting and the surrendering and the confessing of our sin, pulling the weeds of the sinful nature up by the roots. You know, you don't go into an overgrow garden and just start sowing these seeds. and say, man, I, I hope that something grows. See, before we can talk about growing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we first must acknowledge and deal with the weeds that are already there. So I've got a very personal question for you. It's not rhetorical. <laughs> and I definitely don't want you to shout it out loud. 
But what are the weeds of your sinful nature that need to be uprooted so that the Spirit can grow fruit in your life? I just want you to take a second and think about that. What are the weeds? What are the weeds of your sinful nature that just need to be pulled up, that need to be chopped down? You need to get your own family of beavers to come over and say, man, we're just laying this stuff, laying it down. In verses 19 through 21, Paul gives us a list. It's not a complete list, but he does give us what he calls the, the acts of the flesh, or the acts of the sinful nature. And he begins it this way. He says, the acts of the sinful nature are sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery. And now the first three deal with sexual sin. And the first word deals with sexual activity outside of marriage. It's, it's fornication. Any sexual activity that is not between a, a husband and a wife is included in this word that is translated as sexual morality in your Bible. The second word is impurity. And this is talking about what goes on in your mind. This has nothing to do with, with you and another individual. This has to do with, with just what you're thinking about, the thoughts that we entertain. It's impurity. And the third word, the NIV translates as debauchery, is a word that captures the idea of, of living for just sensual pleasure. You wake up and that's what's on your mind and, and that's what you're thinking about day and, and night. It feels good. You just want to go out and do whatever feels good to you. There is no restraint. Now here's what I want you to catch on to. Here's what I want you to hear as you start to look at this list of weeds that Paul mentions. What Paul defines as a deadly weed, our culture tends to define as a colorful flower. You get that? Paul says, look, I, this is something that you need to uproot in your life. This is going to kill you spiritually. But everywhere that we look in our culture, there are these pictures of gardens that are overgrow, overgrowing with sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery. And the not-so-subtle message is, this is your best life. And this is how you're supposed to live. This is what your relationships are supposed to look like. And there is this growing trend for Christians. I think there's a growing trend for people who sincerely desire to be followers of Jesus just to accept these weeds. Just to accept them. But friends, sexual immorality is not consistent with Christian discipleship. It has never been. It never will be. And no matter what the culture tells you about how this is your best life, Paul says, it's a weed that will destroy your relationship with God. He goes on with the list. In verse 20, he talks about idolatry and witchcraft. And idolatry is worshiping anything or someone other than God. Now look, you may not have your graven image in your home that you bow down to. It might just be in your garage. Right? It might be that car that's sitting there. It might be the relationship that you have with someone. You might worship your career. It's what you live for. It's that purpose that's in your life. Anything that replaces God on the throne in your life. And Paul says, look, it's idolatry. It's a false God. And it's going to choke out the fruit of the Spirit. He continues on. He talks about hatred and discord. And, there, and there's arguing that's there in the passage. And he talks about jealousy. He says, look, there, there are fits of rage and selfish ambition that need to be gotten rid of. There's this dissension and factions and envy. And all these are related to how we treat one another and how we get along with others. And then Paul ends it this way, and he says, look, also drunkenness and orgies and the like. In other words, it's like, hey, you might be out there thinking, whew, boy, I'm glad God didn't mention my weed. 
you know, you look through there and you're like, I, I, don't, I don't think the one that, that's choking the Spirit's fruit out in my life is here. And Paul says, oh yes it is, because all the things like this, you name it. Yeah, it's on the list too. You see, there's more to the list than just what Paul brings up right here. And most commentators agree that, that what Paul does here, he intentionally weaves together acts of the sinful nature that are considered to be just heinous by believers with acts of the sinful nature that are considered to be more acceptable. Because there's this tendency for us to kind of look into our garden and say, well, you know, I don't have all the bad weeds. <laughs> I mean, I just got this root thing growing up here, but I mean, it, it's not that bad. I mean, there, there are people with worse gardens than what, than what I've got. It's not that bad. And, and so we overlook those weeds. We're like, hey, witchcraft, I don't have to worry about that one. I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm covered. Everything is great. But Paul goes on in verse 21. He says, look, those of you who live habitually in this manner, and you're not doing anything about it, you're just content to look out into your garden and see the weeds grow and, and say, well, I'm just going to let that pass and hope nobody notices. Paul says that you're not going to be able to enjoy the blessings of the kingdom of God. And so he mixes things that many of us would just say are acceptable. Things that we go, oh, that's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. With things that a lot of us would say are really a big deal. Because no matter if it's the, the big sins or the little sins in our mind, Paul says they have the same impact on your soul. They're choking out the fruit. And so he talks to us about pulling these weeds. And here's something we've got to understand. Whether you're pulling the weeds of the sinful nature or whether you are growing the fruit of the Spirit, it is not done by your power. Now, don't miss this. I want you to miss this because a lot of people grow up in church and they miss this part of the message. They come to church and they hear, pull the weeds, pull the weeds. What's your weed? What's the one that's just choking out God? Pull it, pull it, grow the fruit, grow the fruit. And that's what they try to do and that's what you've been trying to do. And then you come in each week and you hear that type of message and then you go and you look at the failure that you have there in your life. You're doing the best that you can to pull the weeds of your sinful nature, to grow the fruit of the Spirit, but you're just failing. And eventually you just get overwhelmed by the guilt and you just want to walk away from church. You want to walk away from God because the church is asking you to do something that you do not have the power on your own to do. And so Paul says, look, don't, don't miss the fact that you pull the weeds and you grow the fruit by the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope you've still got your Bible open. Look at verse 16 of chapter 5. He makes it clear. He says, live by the Spirit and you will not want the acts of the sinful nature. You live by the Spirit, you're not going to crave those things, that, those weeds that are growing up. Now the question for us is, but what does that mean? Because it's one, it's one of those things that we tend to talk a lot about in church, but we never really ex explain. And so the preacher comes and says, hey, guys, we all need to live by the Spirit. And everybody in the church goes, amen. Mm -hmm. And then you go get in your car and you ask your spouse, it's like, what does that mean? And you're like, well, I don't know. It's okay, the preacher normally doesn't know either. It just sounds good, right? It's in the Bible. It sounds good. Go and, and live by the Spirit. But what does that really mean? Is it just something we crochet and, and put on grandma's wall in the nursing home? Live by the Spirit? I mean, it sounds nice. So let's wrap things up by just talking about perhaps what this can look like in our life. If we're going to live by the Spirit, it means to have a continual awareness of the Spirit's role in our life. And this is a constant prayer that we have. 
See, on down in verse 25, Paul says, since we live by the Spirit, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And when he says keep in step, it's this picture of taking a long walk with someone and, and, and you are mirroring that person's stride at the same time. Right foot, right foot, left foot, left foot, right, left, right, left. And you're, you're, you're with them. You're following right along. You step and you step and you step and you keep in step with the Spirit of God. Now Bill Bright has helped some people, I think, learn to acknowledge the presence of the Spirit in their life through an exercise that he calls spiritual breathing. And I think it's very helpful. So here's the idea. In order to live in the moment and, and be aware of the Spirit's presence in your life, the first time that you become aware of sin in your life, that first moment when that thought begins to creep in, you, you realize that, you know what, you're heading down a road that you do not need to go down. The first moment that you become aware of it, you <sighs> exhale. Okay, you, you, you exhale. You take a minute, you breathe out. The moment that that lustful thought enters your mind, the moment the selfish spirit begins to set in, the moment you start to lose your self-control, the moment that you find yourself being critical and negative instead of joyful, you exhale and you confess your sin and you agree, you agree with God's word that, and this is not in keeping with Christian discipleship. This is not the person, Lord, that you have desired me to be. God, I confess my sin and I want, I want you for my life. And I want your guiding for my life. You breathe it out. And then you inhale. And when you inhale, you're breathing in the grace of God. You're accepting his forgiveness. You are, you are breathing in the promise that you are filled with the Holy Spirit if you are the child of God that you claim to be. That there is this surrender that you are giving over to God. That he is in control of your life. So you breathe out the darkness and the sin. And then you breathe in. And you consciously remind yourself of the Spirit and His power and the promise of God to work through you. And the more that you live in continual awareness, and this is a constant prayer where it's like, God, I'm repenting of sin, and God, fill me with your Spirit. Allow me to know that Spirit is here. It starts to become a more natural part of, of your day. Now, at first, it's going to feel very awkward, and it's going to be kind of forced because we've just gotten used to seeing these different weeds in our life, and we're not used to stopping whenever we have that critical thought. And we're not used to saying, Lord, forgive me for having that image come up in my mind. Well, we're not used to that. But as we do it more, and, and as we begin to breathe out and then breathe in, it becomes more of our everyday practice. The moment that weed begins to grow... You repent of the sin. And then you're filled with the Spirit. And the more you do it, the more I do it, the more naturally it becomes. And number two, living by the Spirit requires filtered thinking. It's filtered thinking. Paul says that you have these two opposing forces that are there inside of you. The sinful nature and the Spirit. But the battleground for the sinful nature and the Spirit is, is in your thought life. That's where they're doing war together. That's the battleground. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, Paul explains it this way. He says, those who are dominated by the flesh, by the sinful nature, by the way that they're thinking, says, those that are dominated by the sinful nature think only about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit of God control 
your mind leads to life and to peace. Paul says, look, what you think about is going to feed either your sinful nature or your spiritual nature. What are your thoughts feeding? And I love the quote by Craig Massey. I've shared it with you before. He says, there are two natures that beat within my breast. One is foul, the other is blessed. The one I love, the one I hate, but the one I feed will dominate. So you think about the things that you're feeding your mind. And understand, the things you're feeding your mind, they're either going to feed your sinful nature or they're going to feed the spiritual nature of you. So the music that you listen to matters. The books you read. The magazines you subscribe to. The videos that you watch on YouTube. All of these things matter. The conversations that you have. The thoughts that you know about that no one else knows about. These things matter. Because the, these weeds, this, this part of your life that it's like, man, I'd love to get rid of this. You're either going to be feeding the Spirit or you're going to be feeding just yourself. And so why don't you go home and think about, think about what you're binging on Netflix and, and think about the, the role that social media right now is playing in your life. Does what you watch, do the things that you subscribe to, does it feed the sinful nature or does it feed the Spirit? When you meditate on scripture during the day, when you, when you pray during the day, when you, when you listen to the songs of worship in your car, when you read the Bible story to your kids each evening, you're feeding your spirit. But when your mind goes towards envious or lustful thoughts, when you find yourself thinking negatively or critically towards another brother or sister in Christ, what are you feeding more? The sinful nature or your spirit? One you love and one you hate, but the one that you feed will dominate. Walking in the Spirit, living by the Spirit means filtered thinking. And then lastly, living by the Spirit means that you die to yourself. It means that you die to that sinful nature. In verse 24, Paul writes, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And there was an old theologian who was asked by a young man, look, if, if I have been crucified with Christ, as Paul says, then why do I still see myself having these evil desires? Why do I keep slipping into my old way of living? And the wise theologian said, it's because crucifixion is a long and painful process. That's why Paul says in scriptures that he dies daily. It is a daily putting to death of the sinful nature. It's why he would write to Christians in Colossae and say, put to death, kill, destroy, therefore whatever belongs to your sinful nature. It's the only way to deal with it. You don't cover it over with mulch. You don't just decide, well, you know what? When the flowers bloom, it really hides that root there and you really can't see it. You've got to get right up on top of it before you're going to be able to notice that it's there. You got to kill it. You don't put on the makeup. You, you, you don't just try to, to dress it up and try to make it look acceptable. You pull the weed out by the root. And the more that we die to ourselves, the, the more room that we make for the Spirit in our life. One person explained it this way. He said, the filling of the Holy Spirit does not mean that the believer gets more of the Holy Spirit, but rather that the Holy Spirit gets more of the believer. And friends, your best life is a life where God gets you. You know, we think about it, that it's like, what am I going to get from God that's going to make my life so good? And that's the totally opposite way to think about it. 
Our best life is the life where God gets us. All of us. Lock, stock, and barrel. Scripture tells us this is what your best life looks like. Emptying ourselves of ourself and being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And the fruit of God's Spirit will begin to grow and to transform our lives. You see, everyone wants a beautiful garden. But nobody, nobody likes to pull the weeds. So here's what I wanted us to do this morning. I just want us to pray about this together for a few minutes. I want us to pray that we would be willing to invite God into the garden of our life. And give him permission to remove anything that stands in the way of the Spirit's fruit. Are you willing to pray that prayer? To give God access and say, God, there are weeds that are here. And I know they need to be pulled. And there have been times where I've tried and I've gone back and forth. But I just don't have the strength. But God, I want to live my best life. And I want to live that with you. And I want to give you permission to pull this. And to get rid of this. And it could be something that was on that list that Paul gave earlier. Or it could be something we haven't even touched today. But you know what it is that's sapping your spiritual life. Will you give God permission to pull that this morning? Let's pray about that together. Father, this is one of those lessons that we don't always enjoy hearing for sure. It's great when we're able to talk about the blessings of a life with you. And we, we talk about the love and the joy, the peace, the patience. And we say, yes, that's what we want. But we need to be reminded, Father, that, that those blessings, they grow up in our life when, when we truly allow you to have access to us, when we give ourselves over to you, when we surrender ourselves. Father, help us to remember today what... The, the picture that our baptism should bring to mind every time we think about it. Help us remember when we were baptized, the death and the burial, the resurrection of, of your son. Help us to remember how that, how that that act, that faith that we had in, in your grace and mercy, that we went through this picture of dying to self and living for you. Bring that image back to us right now so that we can remember the importance. So that we can, we can remember the, the submission that we displayed on that day. And Father, it's that very same submission that we need now as we, as we recognize, that, you know what, there are just things that we allow to creep into our lives, that we allow to grow up, that we allow to take hold, that we just become comfortable with. That we just allow to sap our spiritual strength. And Father, we're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your mercy and for the fact that you have promised. That those who, who live in the light of your son are continually cleansed from their sin. We're thankful for that continual grace. But Father, what we're asking for today is. We're asking for more fruit to be in our life. So that we might be able to enjoy life on another level. So that we might be able to impact others. So that, our, so that our marriages might be different. Our relationship with our children and our parents could be different. That the relationships we have at work could be changed. That the way in which we deal with our extended family. The way in which, Father, we deal with, with brothers and sisters in Christ could be different because of fruit. 
Remind us of the death that we died and our baptism. And Father, allow us, allow us to give you access then to every area of our life. May we not withhold anything from you. May we allow you to remove the weeds that are present. Allow your spirit to truly do its work. We want to be different. We want to be changed. We want there to be a new vitality in our life. So help us no longer to be content with just allowing our garden to, to be overgrown. Instead, Father, may we desire, may we chase after, may we ask you to grow up within us a bountiful harvest of fruit that can only come from your spirit. And Father, we want that so badly that today we give you access. And today we, we pull ourselves up onto your altar and we lay it all down before you and ask that you remove to us, remove from us, any sinful thing. Father, again, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your patience with us. And Father, we look forward to the garden, the beautiful garden that you will grow in our midst. Thank you for the promise of your spirit. Thank you for the impact he's able to have. He's able to have on our life. May we continue to be present with the spirit, acknowledging daily, and we keep in step with where the Spirit guides. And may we continue to live our lives in honor and glory to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And together the church says, amen. Friends, before we are reminded of God's grace and mercy in the midst of the weeds, let's sing about the love of our Savior together. And then we'll share communion. <laughs>